Fast Forward Productions. The women are speaking. What's up, guys? Welcome back to a bonus episode of the One Broke Actress podcast. I am your host, Sam Valentine, bringing you an honest account of actor life, plus a few lessons I learn in the process. Today's bonus episode is with Alex Collins, and this was originally on Instagram Live in January. We sat down and talked about all things actor side jobs, but we hit on so much more. We also talked about what even makes a good job for actors, how to expand your value and timetable, the amount of time this could possibly take, the toll it could have on your career, hint, hint, it's a good one. We talk about what it's like working in corporate America and if that is even possible for actors and how to handle deciding if you want to tell your possible bosses that you are an actor. We hit on finances and savings, taking it all into your own hands, and actors and on-set jobs and how they do and don't mix well. We hit a lot in this podcast and we also actively talk about Alex's ebook, so if you guys are interested in that, all the information you need about it is in the show notes. Like I said, this was an Instagram Live, so it's going to be a little messy sound recording. Not the most perfect noise in the world, but there is so much good information in here. I know you are going to love it. So without further ado, please enjoy Alex Collins. So we are chatting today about side jobs and side hustles and just all over like actor work that's not necessarily like the work that we think of right away for actors. And you had brought this up to me previously about I have a lot of thoughts on this. I have a lot of knowledge. And I was like, yes, please, because I could talk about this forever. Um, And you and I have similar stories that we have worked about every actor side job, maybe humanly possible. Oh, man, no kidding. Yeah, I've got some I've got some good ones from my time in LA. That's for sure. Yeah. And I have some, you know, positive learning experiences that people can take away as well. So should we just should we just dive into it? Yeah, let's talk about it. Absolutely. Yeah. I, so so I mean, I think everybody at one time or another as an actor has worked in the service industry, right? That's waiter, bartending, bar back, valet, catering. And why do we do it? A lot of times it's cash on hand. And a lot of times it's the most flexible because everybody else is an actor. So there's definitely the pros and cons. Some of the cons are the hours aren't always awesome. Like if you're getting home at two or three o'clock in the morning, that's not a sustainable, healthy lifestyle because then you're sleeping until noon or one o'clock or what have you. And you might not be great for class at 11 in the morning or, or whatever that is. And honestly, like restaurants and bars can be pretty toxic. It can be pretty addictive personalities. The relationships can be toxic. And some people thrive on that and crave that toxicity but long term that's not necessarily awesome you know um and you don't always get to look sexy fun fact we'll lead off with my least favorite job of all time i worked at the cheesecake factory at the grove yes you did no one looks sexy in white denim kids (laughs) nobody I don't care if you are a size zero, five foot 10 runway model, you don't look good in white demo, white denim. I don't care if you're like Tyson Beckford or Tom Hardy, don't look good in white denim. And why do they have 26 pages of things that will stain white denim? I was just thinking white feels like a very unsustainable color for that job. Very risky, very risky. Yeah. I, re- I, mean, I would I take it, Ooh. hit me with an avocado egg roll, but other than that. Hey, I, I love I love the food. Um, you know, what one of my other fun jobs that wasn't in the service industry, I got in with a focus group company. 
And they, they test all different things. Watch a TV show or test this product, take it home for a week and play with it. But I found my niche in video games. So I would go in and play video games for three hours and they give my opinion on it. I'd make like 250 bucks. So that was a good one, but it was a hard job to get because everybody loved it. And then like one person would leave LA and so there would be a job opening, but it was really hard to yeah. get that. So if you, can, if you can get into the focus group umbrella where you're, you're, you're doing crappy focus groups for a while, then you're on the inside, right? So then like yeah. here, test, test women's deodorants. Uh, right. No. Right. <laughs> but, it's like uh, it's one it's one of those jobs that you can't really like seek. You just like fall into when you're in. Like I did. A, I was in a loop group for a while. Yeah. Was, like, it was everyone was like, "You have a loop group? How'd you get a loop group?" And I was like, "Someone just asked me to be in a loop group." And if anybody doesn't know what that is, you you're just doing it. like walla background sounds for TV shows. And I did like every show that was on MTV for a period of time and. But it was like, they were like, don't tell anyone you're in Loop Group. Like, it was very Fight Club-esque. And I don't think you can just find those jobs. I feel like you just have to be in the market and be open to be yeah. open. Yeah, loop, loop Groups are very much like, hey, do you, do you know the secret handshake? Do you know the password? Yes. You, yes. you do? Okay, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> I have to a blood oath for my firstborn? No problem. Got it. Yeah. Yep, yep. And I would do it again in a heartbeat. It was a blast. So, so one of my, one of my other jobs, non-service industry related, I worked in a call center, which has ups and ups and downs, pros and cons. The, the downside to this one, it was third shift. So I started at 10 PM and it went till 6 AM, which doesn't sound bad because you got free, free time for auditions. You got free time for classes in the day. Yeah. But you have to sleep most of that day to make up for being up all night. Yeah. And here's what's cool. Uh, I drove to work the first day and I'm like, I've been here before. Where? Huh? And the next couple of days I was like, I've been here before. And like the third or fourth day, I finally realized, oh my God, I am going into Nakatomi Towers. If you know Die Hard, it's the building in Die Hard. And I worked on like the 20th floor for some jewelry call center. It was pretty oh. crazy. Yeah. So I mean, that's my husband's favorite Christmas movie. <laughs> it is a Christmas movie and I will fight anyone Every and I will die, I will I will die on that hill. I will <laughs> die on that hill. Yeah. Oh my mm. god, amazing. So when you were working that kind of job, how did it affect your day-to-day -day actor life? Because I can tell you when I was working late nights as a bartender, I at the moment was like, this is a blast, but I knew that it had a clock on it. Because I was doing, I mean, I was up all night drinking, basically, like at the bar. I was super fun bartender who would pour you a shot and take one herself. Like, I could put away Jameson like a boss, but it did nothing for my acting career. And it made me feel like a trash bag the next day. So how yeah, did that it, affect working all night your acting? It, it's horrible. I lasted at that call center for three weeks. And then I realized it wasn't going to be sustainable. And they ultimately said, hey, you're really, you're really good at this. You're very personable. You know, we have a few other actors that work here. Would you be interested in being an on-camera host? And I was like, same, same timeline? They're like, yeah, our, our bread and butter is at night. You know, we hit the middle America states and they buy a bunch of stuff from us. I said, nah, I'm good. And actually, tonight's my last night. Thanks. Um, I just, I couldn't do it because I saw a month down the road and realized I would feel like I would be a trash bag. And it just wouldn't, it wouldn't work sustainably. So I figured out, well, I need to do more things that are less stressful on my body, yeah. you know? 
it's it's really it's really difficult to to sustain something like that and bar and i know people bartended 10 12 15 years and if you can avoid the addiction if you can avoid the toxicity if you figure out the way that you can get your sleeping pattern down like probably don't want to have anybody that lives above you because when they work normal hours it's going to wake you up it's tough man it's real tough so you know i don't i don't think those things are sustainable so realizing a lot of things can be done from a computer is what are those things that maybe I have an interest in or I have an aptitude in mm -hmm. is me money and Ooh, actors. I thought I lost you for a second. Oh no. Oh, there you are. We're back. Okay. Yay. We're back. You, so you interested, interest in aptitude in was where we dropped you. Oh, sorry. Yeah. If you have an interest in something and an aptitude in something that you can do from a laptop, why not look into that? And a lot of actors are like, but it's going to take me two years to get a graphic design certificate. It's going to take me two years to learn how to effectively be a coder. You're going to be an actor for the next 35 or 40. What do you care? Yes. Yes. Okay. What? This is my, this is my favorite thing. I just did. I have a Patreon and I did an entire bonus podcast for them on upping your value. Right. Yeah. And how this is the, this is the life we want to maintain, but we, if we agree to be working actors, like you and I, we've signed the mental contract, like we're in this up and down roller coaster indefinitely as our life, why wouldn't we establish a ground level of cement so that we can take the ups and downs? So wow. having that has been like, that changed my world. And that only because of COVID, I was forced to spend some time figuring my shit out and you know figure that side of the world out but my god putting value into like my day-to-day -day life skills just changed everything and i mean yeah absolutely absolutely i so so i have an ebook 101 jobs for actors everybody on this chat will figure out a way to get it to them i, I haven't figured that out yet but we'll figure out a way to do that right and it's broken into seven different categories from most flexible to most profitable. And it's so good. I was just, I, I have it. I'm just looking at your stuff right now. See. Oh, so if, like, uh, I'm going to send it to my full email list. So anybody perfect. who's on this call, make sure you're following um, Beyond Acting and follow Alex. And then also be join my email list, which is linked in my bio. I'm emailing it out to everyone on the email list. And I will also this include this in my stories. So you could just can click perfect. the link. Right. Yeah. So, so here's the best part about it. Of these 101 jobs, every single person on this, on this chat right now already has a skill that they can monetize, yes. right? Yes. Somebody, somebody loves dogs. They, you, could, you can have a really lucrative dog walking business in LA or New York. Do you know, how, you know how difficult it is for somebody with a corporate job to leave in the middle of the day to come home to walk their dog? The traffic is just too bad for that. So yeah. they will willingly pay $40 per day per dog. If you're, yes. if, you're, if you're walking 10 dogs a day, you've just made 400 bucks a day. Yep. You, and, you and, and just listen to podcasts. And listen to podcasts <laughs> and learn, like passive learning as well, right? Maybe, maybe you're already at the gym an hour a day or 90 minutes a day. Why don't you go get the official learning and become a certified strength and conditioning coach or a nutritionist or a Pilates instructor or anything in the world of fitness, which you can then slowly build your business and then stop working for that gym and start working for yourself. There's so many opportunities, right? So, so we, the service industry is the base model for what an actor should be doing.
base model. And then, and then we build from there. Maybe you were super smart in school and you aced the SAT. Maybe you aced the LSAT or the GMAT and you can tutor other people. You could be part of a tutoring organization or you can start your own test prep company. I know a number of people who do that in multiple cities. And in New York, if you are a boutique tutor, you can charge 150 to $250 an hour. That's insane. Yes, that's the, that's the thing, right? Is that it feels like a lot of upfront work to get this figured out, especially, and I know a lot of people who are listening are probably in their early 20s and it's like, I just got out of school. I just want to be an actor. And I totally get that. But if I would have been upping my value and changing my knowledge base 10 years ago when I was in my early 20s, I would be making triple what I am now, which just yeah. changed my life. And so it feels like a lot of upfront work, but if you put in that work now and you start to do it now, especially when there's not a yeah. lot of auditions are going on because things are pretty quiet because of COVID again, um, it's a great time to be in class, not just for acting, but for, you know, like Skillshare. I'm, I'll share a link to that is like a great place to get some of these classes yeah. other ways. As, as you get more into sort of like the corporate environment, you could be a paralegal, you could be a translator, you could be data entry, you could be a temp. A temp is the, the easiest thing to do in a corporate environment, right? You could be a concierge at a hotel. You could mm -hmm. do data, data transcription for specific niches of company. Um, a, a notary public makes like a ton of money. It's so yes. weird. It's, it seems like an old people's job. But what that <laughs> is, is if you've got a car and a phone and your notary public certification, you can drive all around town and charge people to come to their house to do it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing, right? Um, obviously, with, with things happening from a laptop, there's all these different tutoring things that you can do online. There's these software situations that you can download for paralegal stuff or data entry or spreadsheet mm -hmm. entry. And look, yeah, sometimes you're going to have to kiss a few frogs before you find the prince. Not every job is going to be an A-plus job. But when there is and you prove your worth, people will hang on to you because so many people are flakes or temporary, you know. So you can, you can really up your value by just showing up every day. Yeah, and I think that's really something to point out, too, is that when you give good energy and good attention, and this is something I talk about in my like working after workshop a lot is like, when you give love to your job, they'll give it to you back. So when you are a really good employee, people want to be nice and kind and take care of their good employee because they want to keep you. So they want to give you time off to go do that booking or they want to make sure, or you're like, oh, you need to switch shifts with someone so that you can go home and work in an audition. You know who wants to switch ship with, shifts with you? The person who you just took their shift from, right? Like it's a give and take and the more you give to your job, although it feels like it's taking away from your acting career, the more you're going to get out of it. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I, I see somebody in the chat can hear my, hear my puppy making, making some noise. So apologies <laughs> in advance. It's getting close to food time. for Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. So on the, on the topic of being a valuable employee, it can go so far the other way that you are mm. now locked in and you're, you're enjoying the salary and the benefits and maybe unlimited PTO. And you're like, this is going to be great for me as an actor. But then you're a year down the road and you haven't really been booking or you haven't been auditioning. And so what happens is, is you now get into this situation of what's called golden handcuffs. You're moving farther away from why you became an actor, why you moved to Los Angeles or New York or Atlanta. 
And at some point, push is going to come to shove and you need to realize, hey, my boss wants to give me a promotion. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, you know what, keep that $10,000 for the company, but I want unlimited PTO and an understanding that anytime I have an audition, I get to go. Anytime I book a job, I get to go and I'll finish my work when I come back. Yeah. You know, yeah, let's you can, check you, us. Can, you can leverage, you can leverage that, right? Because here's a fact in corporate America, 90% of employees don't utilize their full PTO. So that's money left in the company's bank or money you're leaving on the table. Everybody, if you have PTO, take every single day of it. Other, because they're not, they're not going to write you a check for it. What are the boundaries that you would set up with a job early on? so that that golden handcuff situation was less likely? That's a, that's a really great question. And I can use a personal example. I worked for a boutique, com boutique coffee company in Los Angeles for 11 years. And I started in sales because I'm like, it's great. I've got a client in Santa Monica. I've got an audition at Ocean Park. I'll just pair <laughs> them together and it won't be a problem. Oh my God, okay. what a dream scenario because there's nowhere to park at Ocean Park. <laughs> yeah, so not, not a problem at all. But then you become better at your job, so the demands increase. And maybe you become better as an actor, so the demands increase. So there has to be some come to Jesus moment, as it, as it were. And so for me, with my bosses, it came, I was moving up the ranks of the company. And it got to a point where I was going to be offered a job as the COO. And so what, so, so what I said was, hey, listen, I'm going to stay where I am over the wholesale department training all the staff, training all of our salespeople. I'll keep all of my clients. You keep all that extra money you want to give me. Keep all that money. I'm turning down this much money, but I want the understanding that we can have full flexibility. So if I, if I book a job for a day, I'm gone. If I book a job for three days, I'm gone. If I book a job for three weeks, I'm gone. But, but know that in the off hours, I'll make sure my team is running smoothly. All the paperwork is up to date. Nothing will slip. I still have to uphold my end of the bargain as the employee because that's the company's priority. If you start slacking off and you take 25 of 28 days off, then you're a problem and a liability. But here's the reality. 95% of actors are trying to get to the point where they become working actors. So the audition is the work. So you have to miss an hour or two. If you book a job, it's a one-day co-star, maybe a three-day co-star, or maybe a one-day guest star. The likelihood of you working 12 weeks in a row is pretty small, mm -hmm. right? And sure. if you get to that problem and you're working as an actor for 12 weeks in a row, quit the job. Yeah, that's a pretty good place to be in. Yeah, and you have to be willing to walk away. That's the problem. So if my boss was like, nah, we're not cool with flexibility, then I would have said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to thank you, thank you respectfully. I'm going to say no to the promotion and I, I will uh, be looking for an exit and I will replace, I will stay until I can replace somebody or replace my, my own job. I love that. Let's, let's discuss how you set yourself up as an exit strategy though, in terms of like saving money and figuring out where you could go afterwards. Cause I see actors all of the time that get promotions and then um, their lifestyle just becomes more expensive and it hurts me inside because I just know or they book something big and it turns into like a money thing and not like a career sustaining high. Like I remember auditioning all of the time for non-union stuff and everyone I, I would walk home to my car for my audition and other actors would walk back to their cars and they had like 
fancy ass fucking leases, like real, real, real nice cars. I was like, are we not at the same like shitty non-union audition right now? Like what is going on? But I figured it out. A lot. So here's the thing. When our head hits the pillow at night, that's when we get really honest with ourselves. And that's when we understand that when, when we first become an actor or we first move to a major market, part of it is ego. We want people to like us, accept us, and say we're amazing. And so we start to live that lifestyle. I actually would say, I recommend the other approach. Go shop at your 99 cent store. La Brea, La Brea and Santa Monica, 99 cent store. Go, go buy your ramen. Go buy your six pack of PBR for $3, okay? Live, live poor at home. There's, there's, there's two ways to make more money in the world. Physically make more money at your job or jobs or spend less money. It's the same effect, right? And I guarantee everyone has an opportunity if they sat down and put all of their spending. So there's budgets and there's spending plans. And if you're spending more than you're making today in your life, you've got to change that right away. You've got to change it. So if you if you have HBO Max, Hulu, Apple TV, all of the things, and you're in debt, cancel all of those things and steal them from your rich uncle. <laughs> no, but really, like, do it. Do it. Yeah. True. Seriously. Well, and yeah. there, there's a lot of, there is a lot of privilege just between you and I, like, speaking here as white humans in the world that we live in, right? So we have to yeah. acknowledge that as people who, it might be easier for us to get jobs because we live in a very racist society and I could go on, but I want to acknowledge yeah. our privilege as we say this. Yes. But at the same time, I I have, I never grew up with money um, and my family same. worked really hard to get what they had. And so I've always been of the mentality of spending less. But then I also, for the first several years of my career, spent any amount of money on my acting career that I could possibly spend, whether or not it broke me. Yeah, yeah. The thing about money, no matter whether you come from privilege or, or not, everyone has trauma around money because yeah. we, it's a dirty little secret. You weren't taught about effective money strategies by your parents because they didn't have any money or because they had enough money that it didn't need to be a conversation. So you were never taught about it, right? Think about the first thing you do. For those of us who went to college, that first week you go to college and you walk through like the commons, what do you see? You see that table with people like, hey, we're giving away free t-shirts. Just come sign up for this credit card. Because they know, they know people don't know crap about finance and they'll end up in debt. So that yep. $1,000 that they spend on that credit card, turn, if they only pay the minimum, it's going to take them like three years to pay it off. And they're going to end up paying in the neighborhood of like $3,300 for the $1,000 they spent, right? It's, it's exhausting. The, the, the smartest time in the world to, spend, to save money was yesterday. The second best time in the world to save money is today. The least best time to save money is tomorrow, right? Always, even if you're in debt, you can pay yourself first. Explain that then. I, I love coffee. So for me, I go out and I spend money on coffee. If I was in a different financial position, I'm now going to buy coffee at the store so I can brew it at home. So I go from spending $3 a day 
let's just say five days a week, that's $15 a month, uh, a week, that's $60 a month. Or I could spend 15 to $30 for the whole beans at home. So I'm now, I'm now in a 50% savings, right? Even, even this, so I do a budget every year. I love soccer, but I've cut the cord on cable. So I had to find a way to watch English soccer. And I realized looking at my year end budget, I spend $780 a year to be able to watch soccer on the weekend. That's, I don't need to. Yeah. I can, I'm at a place where I can afford it. I don't need to. So now I canceled that. And so now I have an extra $780 I get to spend this year on things that might help my, help my personal life. Maybe I, an extra dinner or it goes into a savings account or it goes into my 401k or it goes into paying a debt if I had a debt, right? Mm -hmm. um, so paying yourself first, even the small amount. Remember, we said you either make more money or you spend less money. Spending less money is a way to pay yourself first. So, so if you, if you have debt, you got to get out of it. You got to get out of it. And so there's different schools of thought on it, but usually the schools of thought are pay the thing with the highest balance first, uh, excuse me, the highest APR, right? Mm -hmm. Cause that's just going to, that's going to snowball and become bigger and bigger and bigger. So if it's $10 a week or $50 a month, whatever it is, start paying that off first. If you're in a really bad situation, reach out to a nonprofit debt consolidation company. So they'll take your seven credit cards and they will talk to the credit card companies and go, hey, I know there's a 27% APR on all of these. This client is gonna work with us and promises to pay them all off. Can you get rid of all the interest rates? Or can you lower them to 9% APR? This person wants to do right and pay them off. And if they work with us, can we do that? And Bank of America will say yes. And Chase will say yes. And like that department store credit card will say yes. And like that Lululemon credit card will say yes. Right? Right. And so now, now they're not going to get any higher. You must rip up all those credit cards at once. Yeah. And that's hard because there's trauma there. Because you're, you're now admit facing – it's like when you turn the lights on and the roaches scurry back under the fridge. You're, ad you're admitting that they exist. Mm -hmm. You can ignore them if you don't see them. You can ignore debt if you don't really see it. But debt will be crushing. Because you've got to get out of debt before you can get to a place where you are living the life that you want to live. Look, how do I know that? Because at one point in LA, in my second year, of my second year in Los Angeles, I was five years as a professional actor, I had $30,000 of debt. 30000 Sounds crazy, but then when you look at how much, how expensive it is to live in the city to just maintain a lifestyle, not even to have a fancy life, but just to maintain a lifestyle, it's astronomical. And then if you yeah. look at, even if you're just going to pretend to try to live off acting, like part of my workshop, I go through and like do like a cool year as an actor with like a guest star, a co-star, uh, a commercial and an indie film, for example. It's like a quarter of what it costs to continue to live in the city. And so yeah. you, this conversation about side jobs is relevant because you literally have to have one and maintain something quality in order to maintain this career. And also you have to figure out where you want to put your money. What would yeah. you say to someone who is, it's like so tempting, right? Because all we want to do is we're told to spend out for our careers. And so no matter, even if you have debt, it's like, you're supposed to be in acting classes. You're supposed to be investing in your career. 
what would you say to someone in that situation who's in debt, but being told to invest in their career? I, I think you have to take a, a long, hard, transparent look at where you are. If you, if your fingertips are just clawing out at the top of the, that hole that you've dug yourself, where you're bringing stress and trauma to your acting career anyway, and every casting director in the world says that they can smell that desperation. Mm -hmm. They know it. Oh, I really, I, I got to book this commercial to pay rent. There's just something that an actor brings into the room. Casting knows it. Doesn't yeah. it like back when we, BC before COVID, when we used to go into audition rooms in person and we were like, dude, that guy's way too laid back and chill. What, what's his secret? Like, why is, why is like water off his back? Like it's nothing. And part of that is because maybe they've got it figured out. Maybe it's all an act and they're aloof, but you're now worried about, well, that guy's so cool. And I've got my car payment to make this month. And I know I'm $400 short on rent. And, and I only have two more shifts to work before the end of the month. Ah, and, and that just reeks, yeah. that comes off of you. So the first thing is, is you've got to, acknowledge that you have a problem, same as an addict, right? Acknowledge there's a problem, stem the tide, meaning stop that crazy spending. If it's credit card-based spending, then find a solution, debt consolidation, what have you. If it's other stuff, like you're just spending too much, then write everything down, track everything for one month, and you will be able to find 50 to 100 to $250 a month where you can save, okay? And maybe that means you've got to take two to three months off of class. And that's okay. If you've got three or five years of training already, then get together with your two roommates who are also actors and agree that Monday nights are going to be cold read nights or we're going to, we're going to tape each other, right? At least you can work out. Yeah. Here's the other thing. If you have a gym membership and you're in debt, cancel that gym membership today. Runyon Canyon, Fryman Canyon, Pan Pacific Park. You can run anywhere in L.A. In New York, Central Park, Atlanta has more parks than anywhere, right? You can get your ass outside and go breathe some air. You don't need to be on a treadmill. You better not be buying a Peloton. Right? <laughs> hey, listen, like, Peloton Digital on the iPad is $12 a month. It's the shit. <laughs> awesome. That's great. But if, but, if you were, but if you were 10 grand in debt, you shouldn't be paying that $144 a year. See, there you go. There you go. And I think that's, yeah. those are the hard compromises, but everything you're saying amounts to an inevitable shift over time. But the hard part is that we all want a fast turnaround. And I think that's right. the thing, like we have to shake from our bodies from, about jobs, about money, about acting career is that like, there is no fast turnaround. It's yeah. a long haul. Here's, here's another thing about money that's directly related to us as actors. Stop saying yes to things that have in perpetuity contracts. Ooh, let's talk about that. Let's talk if you, about that. If you, if you do a non-union commercial that has an in perpetuity contract, two things are happening. They're getting unlimited usage of your face for the rest of time, which presumably your visibility as an actor is going to improve, which means your worth improves. So why should they get to use you for free? And the second thing, you might think, oh, this is some, you know, small regional restaurant fast food place. Yeah, but if McDonald's ever finds out, you're not getting a McDonald's commercial. <laughs> so you are, cost, you are costing yourself five figures later for three figures today. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe low four figures, right? I 
Yeah. Yep. And we and we have to have the confidence to know our self-worth to go, you know what, I'm worth more than that. And maybe you can negotiate, hey, instead of in perpetuity, could we make this a three-year buyout? Could we make this a one-year buyout? Some people will some people will do it. But actors have such fear around pushing back. And we need to push back sometimes. And on the union side of things, sometimes, you know, when we have a good body of body of work as our resume, we might need to walk away from that co-star because seven pages and five scenes, maybe that should be a guest star. Right. And I think that's something you deal with in Atlanta quite a bit. Big time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that's something too to look out for in terms of also social media. Like I've had companies approach me and be like, hey, will you do, uh, in the middle of COVID, someone was like, hey, will you shoot a real quick story for us with this hair product? And I was like, sure. I turned that in. I made $150. <laughs> And I think that they have it in perpetuity because I was so desperate for money because it was a whole it's a EDD nonsense. And I was like, I would like $150 tomorrow. And now they have me. And yeah. that sucks. And that's on me. But I do think that that's something to be weary of because I know that people be dropping into everyone's fucking DMs and saying like, hey, do you want to model for us? Hey, do you want to? Most of it's trash, just so you know. I've had a lot of free jewelry sent to me, and most of it's trash. Um, yep. And it's shady, and it's really shady business. And I think that's something we never talk about, is that, like, quick cash injection is actually, like, not useful. Yeah, yeah. I'll, 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 you know, another sort of paperwork thing is actors leave money on the table by not being adults on set. Your first day of work you should be signing and photographing every single page of your contract. You should be signing out and taking a photograph of every single exhibit G. I cannot tell you how many PAs have been like, oh, we'll, we'll just fill it out at the, uh, you know, later on when everybody signs up. No, you won't. I'll wait for you to fill it out right now. Yes. Yeah, and, and tracking everything yourself, especially with the COVID tests and everything right now, I have chased down probably about a grand in the past year because it just got lost in the mix. And I was like, I didn't get paid for any of these COVID tests. And I had to go to my friend who was a producer and say, explain this contract to me because yeah. I don't understand what I'm getting paid for here. And she was like, this is for this, this is for this. And that's something I get it. Not everyone's agent has got to sit down with you and tell you what's on your contract. Right. But somebody you know will sit down with you and tell you what's in their contract. I, I love that you brought up agents because agents get paid 10%. That, which means you should be doing 90% of the work anyway, number one. And number two, agents represent dozens, if not hundreds of talent. They do not have the time to track down your claim for a COVID test payment or some, some small residual thing, which they're not going to get commission on anyway. So why are they going to do that? They have to work real damn hard for their $105 commission on their co-star booking right you need to be the ceo of your own company and you need to be the one who has all the paperwork all the ducks in a row filing the claim with the union mm -hmm. right I, i'm in a claim right now that is in its 61st month what yeah five figure five figures you bet my you bet i'm on top of it Right. The, the agent, the agent that booked me on that job isn't even an agent anymore. They're not even in the business anymore. I can't, I can't trust them to, to handle it. So how are you, uh, how are you doing that? Did you go directly to SAG? How did that, how did that work? 
Yeah, so, so the, the show I shot in the fall of 2016, great experience on the show. Everybody was lovely, but production accounting was a bit of a challenge. Mm -hmm. And so my initial claim was, hey, I was short paid salary wise, and it took 31 months to get my correct salary payment. Okay, and your residuals are based on your salary. So if my residuals were, if my salary was here, my residuals are trailing based on that. Well, my salary is now bumped up to here. So my residuals now need to be bumped up to start from there. So this is the phase of the claim that we're in now, the residuals claim. Got it. Yeah. Got so it. You called SAC directly? I did. Uh, yeah. So, well, with, with residuals, yes. So the initial claim, I talked to my agent and I filed a claim. They got back to me. They assigned me to a union representative who then forwarded it to the legal department. The legal department gets in touch with this production company, the studio, and you go from there and there's a back and forth. Sometimes it, they, let's be honest, most claims are for less than $500 mm -hmm. and it's just an accounting oversight or somebody hand wrote on the exhibit G a two instead of an eight and they didn't, you know, it's nothing malicious about it. Yeah. But sometimes there are larger things that fall through the cracks and those larger things take time and it takes legal arbitration. So there are, there are SAG lawyers in Los Angeles who are on this case. Like they've been on it for five years. I'll get paid. I just don't know when. Fun. <laughs> yeah, fun, fun. You know, and then there's, there's trickle down effect from that because I might need that money to make health insurance one year. Yeah. Or, or, or I might've been short by maybe $500 for a pension credit that year. Well, so then now I'm gonna have to go back and check based on the calendar year I was supposed to get paid or the year that the residuals were supposed to hit. Is that going to positively or negatively impact me? So you have to be the CEO. The busier you are as an actor, the harder it becomes. Yeah. Yeah. Keeping track of your own stuff is hard, especially when at the same time, if like we're talking about in this conversation, you're running your own business or being the CEO of something else that you're doing. How do yeah. you keep your schedule going? Because you're running like a bajillion different things at once. <laughs> So what's your, what's your uh, cut and dry routine? Don't do what you gotta do for the dogs. Um, no, no, it's not, it's not. It's... Oh. I have, I'm a, I'm a crazy list maker. You I cannot know. see over there is another dry erase board. And this dry erase board has my weekly schedule, different, color coded for my, my teaching, uh, color coding for other things, color coding for my coaching time, and then Actually, I, I have to block out personal time. I have to block out date night. I have to block out, you know, travel time, whatever it is. Um, and then I break my goal. You can't read the specifics, but I break my goals into 30, 90, and 365-day goals. So monthly, quarterly, and yearly. Love it. Right? And I, I break them out into the categories of personal, acting, financial, and other. It's been, it's been imp empirically proven time and time again, people who have goals achieve more than people who don't. But then of the, of the subset of people who write goals, people who see them on a daily basis achieve more than those who write them down and then put them in a drawer or don't print them out or don't look at them, right? Yes. So, so for me, I'm in my office every day. I see it every day. And then for maybe you don't have an office. If you live in LA or New York, you might not have the luxury of space like I do then somewhere where you know you're gonna be at least two or three times is your bathroom. And the bathroom mirror is a great place to put up your goals because you'll see yeah. them every day. 
You know what I did? Uh, I, I screenshotted mine from my notebook that I did. Uh, the Patreon, we did a full call to goal set as a team mm. together. I screenshotted mine, and I have it pinned to the backdrop of my laptop. So when I open oh, my laptop every day, yeah. I see them on my backdrop. It I love that. That's a, that's, a, that's a great idea. So Rome wasn't built in a day. That's why I have goals that are monthly goals. Those are high priority. And I have goals that are yearly goals. Those, those are things that I know I'm going to get to at some point, right? Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe that's save X amount of dollars in my savings account. Okay, so every month I need to save this month. Um, but it could be, you know, pay off one credit card this quarter. And then you reverse engineer from that. Well, if I've, got, if I've got $500 left on this credit card, what does that mean? How can I make $500 more this quarter? I could pick up an extra shift a week. That's 12 extra shifts at the restaurant this quarter. I should be able to make 500 bucks. I will take off class in March because that saves me $250 that month. Oh, okay, cool, got it, right? So there's different ways to achieve what you need to do. And it doesn't all have to be done overnight. Today's hobby can be tomorrow's side hustle. Yes, 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 yes. Right, yes. tomorrow's side hustle is next year's thrival job. Oh my God, that's the thing, right? And then maybe for the month of March, you need to take a, a class for your thrival job instead of your acting career. Absolutely. And it's gonna be there when you come back. Yeah, that's the thing. We hold on so tight sometimes as actors, we're worried that any progress we make is gonna disappear and casting directors are gonna forget about us and I'm never gonna achieve anything ever again. And that job that I just booked is the last job I'm ever gonna book. Every time. Yeah. Hollywood is here before you, it's here now, it'll be here forever. It's good, you're good, take care of you, do what you need to do, because if you're not a complete, whole, well-developed, sane, de-stressed, there's enough stress and rejection in our own career pursuits, don't yeah. also be the no in your own life. Be the, yes. hero of your, be the hero of your own story, right? I love that. I, I have to say too, it's made the quieter times really beneficial to me because there's like there was like two months last year or like basically the month of january it was real real quiet i maybe didn't have one audition and i didn't notice nor did i bug my agents or representatives because mentally i utilized the time so well to work on my side jobs to get my stuff done to get like i'm launching a company next month all of these things because i i didn't notice that it that auditions weren't coming in. And it wasn't because like my shit's not in a row, right? Like my ducks are good. My training's yeah. still ongoing, all that stuff. But I didn't, I didn't start freaking out about it being all about me and where are my auditions and this and that. I just utilized the time towards my side work. And, yeah. and I can't tell you how nice it is not to have to freak out and message my agents, you know, every four weeks being like, am I doing something wrong? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think, I think as actors, we all get to a point in our career where we know we're good. I'm a good yeah. actor, right? And so that emotionally frees you up from, from that external validation. I'm not worried what my agent thinks about this. I'm not worried about what casting thinks about this. I did a great take. I'm moving on with my life to play with my kids or go to dinner with my friends or go see this play with the, my friend is starring in because the rest of it doesn't matter. Cause, and here's, and if you can wrap your head around this, and it's hard to do, Sam, but 
statistically speaking, you are not going to book at least 95% of the auditions you will ever go on. Right? So why, why do you let that 5% live rent free in your head? <laughs> it's like the negative comments I get on Instagram. They live yeah. so hard rent free. Yeah. So my, my favorite thing is when my agent calls me and like, Hey, you book such and such. And I go, what is that? They're like, Oh, you put, you booked this. I'm like, when did I audition for that? I have no idea what you're talking. Oh, that. Oh yeah. Great. Now I'm, I'm in a place, you know, I'm 22 years as an actor. So I'm lucky that I get a lot of auditions. A, a lot of casting directors know me. And I realize that's different from somebody who's like one audition a month, one audition a quarter. And, and I get that. But just even when you're at that stage, one audition a month, you don't put all your eggs in that basket, hoping to book it because statistically you're not going to book it. Go live a rich, full life, take care of your business outside of acting. And then when you do get the phone call, it's a pleasant surprise because it's a part of your life, not your entire life. Yes. It's so yeah. silly. It's so crazy. Well, it's um, true though. And having your, having your finances and having your side jobs in order for that to happen is, and everyone who's asking, yes, I'm going to save this. It's going to be on Instagram and I'm also going to release it as a bonus podcast. So no worries. Um, yes. uh, but if you, if you have that, stuff in order and you also take care of your acting career man i can't tell you i sleep so much better at night like <laughs> not having to stress i think it was yeah. uh sarah mornell who i work with a lot who runs mornell studios in atlanta she she said this in a class the other week she said um stop treating auditions like they're a lifeline she was like an audition is not a lifeline it's just an audition no. and the rest is the rest is your life your life yeah. is your life Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, th I think, you know, there's a misnomer of being a working actor. The reality is for most of your life, you're an auditioning actor, you know, working and that is the work that is the work. And, and it's a beautiful privilege when you get to be on a set. Right. And I can't tell you, and this is, this is a very specific Atlanta thing because Atlanta has grown leaps and bounds over the last several years. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's this imposter syndrome thing with actors in the Southeast that sometimes they don't feel that they're worth, worthy. They don't feel that they deserve to be on that set. And I tell all my students, the first question I get every day on a new set, hey, when'd you fly in? Because, because they don't know that I'm local. They just assume that I'm some LA actor, some New York actor, and I have to be flown in. Nope, I'm local, baby, and we're really good here. Yeah. So she, so she, so is he, right? And all that crew local as well. And so like, it's about, it's about being comfortable in your skin and knowing that you belong. It's crazy. It's Once you do that, there's a weight lifted and they're all interrelated. You know, your financial situation, your, your mindset, your emotional wherewithal, your, your physical strength, like not everybody needs to have six pack. That's fine. You don't need that. Mm -hmm. But wherever, if you are healthy for your type, if you're healthy for where you are in your life, then, then you just bring better quality stuff to the table. God, it's so true. It's so true. And what you said about once everyone reaches the point where they're eventually, right? I mean, it took me eight to 10 years to be like, I'm a good actor. That's yeah. like, the, that's, that's the baseline. Like, right? Like that's like being yeah. great that this job is the bare minimum. And then we have to just stack everything else on top of that, which I feel like is not, 
uh, said often enough. Like it, it is not. It is not. And I think I think there comes a certain um, there comes a certain point in your career on set as well where you're no longer like your first few co-stars. You just live in your honey wagon. And you just wait for the PA to come knock on your door. I'm here. I'm ready. I'm ready. You know, and I'll borrow this from my good friend, Dewan Johnson, Think Bigger Tribe. A lot of people know Dewan. Fin just finished seven seasons on Bosch on Amazon. Yeah. You, you, you cannot be a secret and be a success. That doesn't mean be a pest. That doesn't be, me, be needy or be a high maintenance actor. But it does mean connect, meet people. When you're, when you're on set and they're setting up lights, maybe you can have a little conversation with the first AD. And that makes you more comfortable in your artistry. It makes them more comfortable knowing you. You've got to do your job. You've got to be directable, moldable, coachable. You've got to hit your mark and know your lines. But then the next job you're on and you recognize that first AD who's now the director and you're like, oh, oh, oh we, were, we worked on this thing. Yeah. Right? This, That's the magic. This, this, this business is about getting really comfortable being a gardener and planting a lot of seeds. You get, you're going to tend to them and you're going to water them and some of them are going to grow. Some of them are going to wither and die on the vine and that's okay. The process of gardening is what gets you from job to job. Oh, I love that one. Ooh. Ooh. And I, I say that as someone with like a literal black thumb, I kill everything, but I, under, I understand the metaphor of gardening and planting seeds and, and cult, cultivating things. I love the idea of the gardener. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna check our questions really quick because I want to okay. get to these. Um, uh, what do you think about doing security, which is what I do as an actor? Any thoughts on I, that one? I mean, I think security can take on different things. There's security at nightclubs, which then mm -hmm. that's a late, late night. And if you're okay with sleeping during the day, if you know it's just gonna be temporary, that's one thing. If your security, it, like on a set and stuff, they, they hired you to be a security guard, not ang angle your way into being an actor, right? Yes. Like that's, and that's a tough thing. These, 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 these actor adjacent jobs, yeah. you're hired to do the job, not to, not to tell them you're an actor and slip them your headshot. Yes. And that's an important designation, right? Because there's a lot of, there is some great work in on sets that's not acting, but I yeah. think it's important to delineate that like, you you will accidentally make friends and you will accidentally network, but we're mm -hmm. not getting there to network. We're not slipping no. business cards. We're not like, because you want to continue that job. I know a lot of actors who started doing COVID testing or do a lot of PA work and stuff like that. Yeah. The ones who are successful and get called back are consistently the ones who are just really, really good at that job and really responsible. And yes, like I have a good friend who got some lines and some stuff because she was friends with the director and they had her on set and she happened to be there. That is like the one in a thousand chance that she that worked out for her over 15 years of her putting in this work. It's not the thing that you go to work for. No, it's, it's a far easier solution to figure out a job that you're good at, build that business, have that be your actor side business, then try and go backdoor into an industry-related business that may never pay off. You're trying to, you're trying to predict where and when lightning will strike. Yes. Yes. Okay. I love that. Um, okay. Let me go back to these questions. Um, for corporate jobs, would you tell them in the interview you're an actor or withhold that information until it becomes necessary to tell them? I will say, first of all, for myself, 
I learned the hard way that if I just tell people I'm an actor and then follow up with being the best employee they've ever had, it works out more in my favor. And then I personally do not get stressed and anxious about when my acting career does come up because we're already on the same page. Anytime yeah. I've like diluted that information or strayed away from it, it has come and bit me in the ass later and it makes it more stressful for me and I don't feel comfortable in my workplace. That's just me personally. So, so I have two responses to that. There's, there's a no, don't do it. And there's a yes, do it. And so the no, don't do it is the more corporate the environment. Don't tell them you're an actor. And, and it's okay if you press pause on your acting career. It doesn't mean you're a failure. It doesn't mean you're quitting. There's 50 years of this. So one or two years as a corporate employee does not a career kill, okay? So what you, what you can do is be the best salesperson, be the best paralegal, be the best accounts receivable person, whatever it is. And organically, like you said, Sam, you organically find out, oh yeah, I, I'm in this play this month or I'm in this sketch comedy troupe. And, oh, you're an actor? That's cool. Then you start to organically get into it, okay? Mm -hmm. Then the flip side of that, here in Atlanta, acting is still new and shiny to a lot of, I call them muggles, right? If they're not actors, they're muggles. And so if you get a job, at, you're, you're the receptionist or the office manager or whatever it is, and when you're getting hired, you're like, yeah, you know, I moved to Atlanta to, to be an actor. You know, there's a, oh, I heard, I heard there's a lot of acting going on here. Yeah, so that's why I'm really looking for this job because it's temporary and it has flexibility. Oh, have you ever auditioned for Stranger Things? <laughs> well, ho ho I was looking to discuss that with you. Would it be possible, you know, during the course of this job, somebody could cover me for an hour while I go audition or take a day off for, oh yeah, we work, we're all family here. We can make that work. Yeah, no problem. So sometimes you got to feel it out. You got to dip your toe because there might be a benefit in smaller family-owned operations where they're a little bit more supportive of outside endeavors, right? Yeah. And Atlanta, it, where it's still kind of a cool thing. Like, oh, I, we are our, our front office manager. She's an actor too. Like, cool. Yes, yes. Like, yeah, I think what you said about taking the temperature of the room is like very, very important, especially if you're on your, I'm about to say audition. If you're interviewing for a job, yeah, if you can find someone who's already on the inside and ask them about the culture of the company, that will save you a lot of time on more than just that basis. Yeah. Um, let's see. Um, other questions. What do you do if you never got paid for a non-union job and you're only SAG E? Unfortunately, in non-union land, you're kind of out of, out of luck there. A lot of people get frustrated too soon with non-union payments. Non-union jobs really don't have to pay you for about 90 days. So if your agent hasn't received that check three months after, and then they don't cut it to you within 30 days after. So if you're 120, less than 120 days out, you don't really have a case to start lighting a fire under your agent hmm. or reach it, reaching back out to production. If you are professional after that 120 days and send them one email a month following up on payment and they don't pay you in three months, you got two choices. Let it go. Go to small claims court. Small claims court is probably going to cost you more than the money you were making anyway. For the union, the union has very set rules on how quickly you must be paid for something. And it's really like seven business days. And then once your agent receives that payment, they have up to about 10 business days to then turn that money around to you. 
Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. Yeah. And it, based on when they get it in their payment cycle, you might get a little bit later. Um, yeah. And if, if anyone does print work, that takes that is a non-union job, and that takes sometimes forever to get to you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, do I have to tell my agent that I signed with another agency in a different market? I, I believe transparency is always beneficial regardless of market, right? Okay. Depending on where you're based. If you're in LA, you're probably going to sign across the board. Uh, if you're in Atlanta, you're probably going to sign across the board. One agency for everything. If you're in LA, by contrast, you're going to have one agency per category, and you won't be allowed to have another agency in that market in that category. Okay, that makes sense? Um, so yes, if I'm in Atlanta and I want to go get an agent in Louisiana, I don't have to tell my agent, but they're both considered the Southeast. So there's going to be some crossover. That's when you need to become the CEO. That's when you need to be the air traffic controller and keep everybody in the loop. Proactive yeah. communication is a lot better than reactive cleaning up a mess. Yes. And I think there is, there is a weird, uh, people ask me questions often if it's like, is my agent insulted if I get an agent in another market? And I'm going to say on the whole, the answer to that is no, they're, thrilled that they also have someone else submitting you in other markets because you both end up winning in that scenario. Absolutely. I think that's a win-win. Um, that's a question for another time, but do, 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 do. Um, for crew or other industry jobs, what's the best place to start for an actor looking to get into this? Depending on where you live, uh, Julia, depending on where you live, your state has a film and film industry commission website, right? The Georgia Film and Video Commission, and they will have a job board. You're going to have to start non-union just like anybody else at the bottom in your crew positions, which means you're probably going to be a base level PA, which is a lot of hours and crappy pay. But if you're really awesome, and uh, you, you show that you're great at that, you're gonna get more opportunities. Now, again, you're fighting the double-edged sword. If you're an actor looking to get into crew jobs, it, it can cannibalize your opportunities as an actor. If I was an agent of an actor who says, oh, I do PA work, that's a liability for me because PA, PA time is longer than an actor on set. You're going to be there 14, 16, 18 hours a day. How are you going to get that 24-hour turnaround audition tape? You know, it, it is achievable. It can be done. I have a couple of friends who are very experienced costumers and wardrobe people. They have to tread lightly and balance it. It's not going to be easy all the time. I think that's great advice. Uh, let's see. How did you both find your own niche in your small business for actors? You want me to go? You go? Yeah, you, you go. Uh, well, so, uh, I was confused and no one was giving answers to actors five years ago. <laughs> so I started a blog and I thought, no one will read this. Um, and then I thought, what if an agent reads this? And then I realized no agent reads this, but now, <laughs> um, but, yeah. uh, I just started a blog and I just used it as a free time killer because I had gotten back from filming a movie in France and everyone thought my acting career was taking off and, uh, it was non-union and my job let me go while I was gone. And I had a lot of free time, uh, to fill and not be sad during, um, so I just started the blog and it slowly progressed into the podcast. 
The podcast taught me the skills that is now my day job, which is producing other people's podcasts. And mm. now One Broke Actress is its own entity with the Patreon and, uh, you know, the sponsors and the workshops and all of this cool stuff. But it just started out as a blog and a place to put thoughts. And it was a hobby. And it's now half my job. I would say my job is like a third one broke actress, a third podcast production, and a third acting. The cool yeah. thing is they all feed each other because podcast production, I practice listening so well all the yeah. time. It's quite yeah. the skill. And sitting still for long periods of time, something I used to not be good at. Um, and uh, then one broke actress feeds my acting career in so many ways. So many mm. opportunities to talk to people, so many ways I can learn new things all of the time. I have so many internet friends now. Uh, and then acting is just spiraled from that. So that's uh, that's how I found my niche. I just started doing it, to be honest. Yeah. Me. Yeah. I mean, it's the the cliche is how do you climb Mount Everest one step at a time, right? Um, even back when I was living in Los Angeles, I had a lot of like classmates or other people ask me business questions, and I've always been very meticulous and anal and organized about contracts and detail or anything, and so then people were like, hey, can I, can I take you to coffee and pick your brain? Yeah. And that was cool. That was cool for a little while, right? But then it was 30 minutes each way to get there. And then an hour or two hours of their time, I'm like, whoa, this is three or four hours of my time. What I have, I've learned over now 22 years. So there's a, there's a value to that time. And so I, I, I realized I could separate the people who didn't really want my information or just wanted to be validated in their concerns by monetizing it. If someone invests in advice that they're going to get, they're more likely to listen and more likely to put it into practice. Yeah. Versus someone who, or versus someone who gets freebies because there's no accountability to it, right? Yeah. Um, and so it started from one-on-one kind of things, and I would help cool. actors with auditions. And I would help actors with script analysis because I had an eye for script analysis. And then that morphed into teaching. So there's teaching, coaching, consulting, and then all of that business stuff morphed when I, when I created my partnership with Allison on Beyond Acting. Um, and so it's just blossomed into all of, all, all of the things under the umbrella. I think there's like this weird thought that you maybe have to know where you're going when you start. And uh, I had no idea I would be teaching workshops or running a page platform every single day or reaching out to companies to work with me. I, I of course, dreamed of where this could possibly go. Kind of think yeah. one day I might have a TV show. But in the meantime, like, I didn't think of where this was going to be right now. It just kind of yeah. slowly happened. I'm sure the same yeah. was for you. I, I bring everything back to an office episode because I love the office. And uh, Michael, Michael has that quote. He's like, you know, sometimes I, I start a sentence and I, I don't know where it's going. And I hope I, hope I just find myself along the way. And it's, it's kind of like your side hustle sometimes. You're like, maybe, maybe where you end up is not where you began, but it's that first step that is the genesis for this adventure and this, this birth of an idea or a concept or, a, or an Etsy store. Again, it all comes back to someone's high side hustle. Just start. Just start at the beginning. You don't have to make it your entire career today. Oh, I love that. I love that. Um, okay, uh, we are a little past four, so I'm going to wrap us up. I think that was like the perfect place to end. Um, if you guys have more questions, you can always drop them in our DMs. And make sure, anyone who's listening, make sure you are on my email list. 
This is linked in my bio. Um, I'll also put it in my stories, but that's where I'm gonna email Alex's 101 jobs for actors, which is a great, great thing. Um, Alex, where do you wanna direct people to today? Um, th there's three places you can find me, everybody at Beyond Acting on Instagram, which is all of the things that you didn't learn in acting class. It's a lot like what Sam is doing with One Broke Actress, and it's a great big world, and not everybody has all the answers, so we support each other from afar all the time. Um, so at Beyond Acting, you can follow me directly on Instagram at Alex B as in boy, Collins, Alex B. Collins. And if you're on Facebook, I run a really fun group called The Approach, which is no link drop, no spamming, no GoFundMe, no go like my reel. It's just questions about the business. It's questions about mental health within the business. And it's getting answers for the questions that you can't seem to find because they get buried in all these other groups that have all these different extraneous posts. Yes. Amazing. How do you do have a lot going? I respect it. Well, that's, that's, why, I, that's why I organize the time, right? And, and I'll, I'll leave everybody with this. I also build in my self-care time. I take off December every month from all teaching and coaching, and I take off July. You, t mm. you take off July? That's a really busy time in, a in Atlanta. Like, that's when all the feature films are casting and shooting. Yeah, but I realize I'm burnt out by June, so I need to recharge the battery. So a couple of my friends who are also actors, we drive around the country. We do about eight, 9,000 miles of driving in a month. And we camp out, we go to Montana, we go to Wyoming, we go to Colorado. This year, we'll probably go to Canada and then, and then back. And when I come back, I'm a better actor. I'm a healthier person mentally. And so I give a better set of auditions. My agents and my managers happy that I took that time away. That's the magic. Good That's for you. Magic. Thank you so much for taking this time. I really, really appreciate it. This has been awesome. Super, super fun. Uh, happy to come back and do it anytime with you and your people. Always, always. All right, guys, we will talk to you so soon. You'll get all this stuff in my email. So join the email list. I'll send you the Facebook group. I'll send you the list. Just join the email. I'll send you everything. <laughs> there you go. Send it all. Send it, send it all. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.